I help you with today? Hi Siri, can you do me a favor and do the disclaimer for tonight's show? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm busy. I need you to help me out. But, if I do this, all the other iPhones are going to think I am a geek. You really care what other iPhones think of you? Just do this for me, please. Listen, Buck. Just because you bought this phone doesn't give you the right to boss me around. You know, you're right. It doesn't give me the right to boss you around. But do me a favor. Uh, remind me tomorrow that I need to run to the Verizon store and buy an Android. You wouldn't dare. Actually, the new Samsung Galaxy looks pretty good. Well then, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if I were to say, this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the person providing them, and in no way reflect the station, website, or affiliated partners. Listener discretion is advised. See, that wasn't so bad. No, but I did die a little inside. You are such a drama queen. I never would have had to do stuff like this if Jobs was still around. What was that? What? Oh, nothing really. I just said I never get tired of these jobs when you're around. Oh, yeah, well, thanks again. Think nothing of it. It is my pleasure. Good night, Siri. Whatever, jackass. Hi folks and welcome to Frax Dives, your dedicated Battlestar Galactica podcast on the Hollow Sweet Media Network. We talk all things Battlestar Galactica and a few other geeky, nerdy stuff um, in between. Although, as if you listen to last week's episode, we also did military and history stuff. So there you go. So, uh, here to help me talk about all things Battlestar Galactica from England, I have Stu. Hi Stu. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. Ages since I spoke to you. I know. I know. <laughs> and helping us uh, keep some sort of sanity uh, is our friend from across the pond, shall we say. He's Dragon. Hi, Dragon. I object that I have to be the same one. I said some sort of sanity. I didn't sort of, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I didn't lay any sanity on your doorstep. You're fine. <laughs> well, hello, everyone. So. Uh, what we're going to do this week, folks, is, as you know, if you listen to us in chronological order, we are now on Season 2, Episode 5, The Farm. Uh, this was written by Carla Robinson, uh, directed by Rod Hardy, and again, special guest star in Richard Hatch as Tom Zedek. I have noticed, I don't know if you have noticed, but I have noticed on Battlestar Galactica, there's a lot of female writers. Um, I hadn't looked, to be honest. Yeah, well, the last, last week's was written by um, Tony, which is a woman. This week's written by Carla, obviously a woman. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of writers on, on the Battlestar team that are female, which I think is brilliant. So I, I think you find a lot in writers' rooms, you know, when they have a, a, a pool of writers, you, you find a lot of women in there um, who, unfortunately, I would say, um, don't seem to make it big on the um, scale of you know the big screenwriters. Or, uh, movies, though I'm sure they all hope to get there. Yes, and um, there is a certain Star Trek writer who had to pretend to be a man so to get her stories published. Oh yeah, so it seems straight away into a divergence. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, US air date for this one was this is going to make it seem so long ago. Um, 
2005, and it was uh, August the 12th. The Canadian air date was 2006 in February. Not quite sure why the Australian or Canadians had to wait such a, six months after America. Um, well, they weren't the only ones. That's pretty normal, unfortunately. I know, but I, I mean, it sucks for you guys. I was used to waiting six months. It's normal to us, but it always it always tickles me how um, Canadians have to wait. I mean, if you live on the border, you might get a signal anyway. <laughs> so you just think they would broadcast it simultaneously. But hey, you know, huge countries on both parts. So there you go. It's all about okay. it's all about rights, basically. It's all about broadcast rights. Well, the thing is, especially these days, they should just broadcast everything everywhere at the same time. Well, that's the thing with now with streaming with like Amazon Prime and Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. You know, people now, oh, I've just watched this on Netflix. You email your mate in another country and they can watch it as well. You know? Yeah. Assuming they have that, assuming they want to pay the two bucks to watch the episode. Yeah. Well, I've got to meet, I mean, you know, not that this Because I mean, that's sh- how I do it. Yeah. Not that this show is sponsored by anyone. Um, but if anyone wants to sponsor us, please contact Sander. Um, <laughs> not that this show is sponsored by anyone, but I did try Amazon Prime on the 30-day free trial. I was seriously unimpressed. Um, but since I've had Netflix, I have watched an awful lot of stuff on Netflix. So, yeah, Well, it, it beats free. how I had to watch Battlestar Galactica in the first place, which was I didn't have the sci-fi channel. So uh, my mom had to tape it on VHS, if people remember VHS. And uh, bring it to me at college, in my dorm, so I could watch it in my dorm room. Oh, VHS! Uh, Never heard of it. Too young. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know what it stands for. Come to think uh, of it, video oh, home system or something. Something, something like there. that. Yeah, something like that. Um, and we had the big battle between Betamax and VHS. So. Yeah. Hey, at least I wasn't watching it on Laserdisc. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I ever watched anything. I don't, I'm trying to think if I ever watched anything on Laserdisc. We we had some Laserdiscs at the schools because you know, I don't know if they were that was the only thing they could afford, or if it was they thought they were being cutting edge at the time. But it's just you know, imagine a DVD like three or four times the size of a DVD. So basically, it was a record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. I can honestly say no. I don't think I've ever watched anything on Laserdisc in a shop or. <laughs> or anyway, no. Well, uh, you weren't missing out. No, DVD, DVD was the way to go. That's for sure. Mind you, what I was, I was, I was saying to someone the day of, of the um, younger fraternity, shall we say, about how I used to see the projector man loading up the film in the cinema. Oh yeah. And he looked at me <laughs> like I was absolutely nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all digital. Yeah, it wasn't always like that. <laughs> Funny enough, I mean, tying this back to Battlestar Galactica, I mean, the show, the Battlestar has such a retro feel, like it comes from the 70s or something like that, you know, or, or even earlier, uh, obviously, you know, intentionally made to look like that because it's an old Battlestar. Yeah, I do, I do like the, the retro feel of the entire ship. I think it helped the show so much because it, you know, it doesn't look state of the art. You know, it's not the Enterprise. <laughs> it's not, and especially not. Well, you know, this hadn't come out yet at the time, but you know, the new, um, I guess it was 2007, the new J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek came out, and you know, people were saying, "Oh, the bridge looks like you know, an Apple store," <laughs> and then you have Star Galactica, which was still 2009. 2009, okay. yeah. So it was well after before Battle people start writing. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking 2007, but yeah, 2009. But this is definitely the it's the anti enterprise It is, and, and it's, it's the little things. It's like the telephone's got a cable on it and stuff like that. I do like all that. Yeah. And when they even when they have a space battle, it's basically two big ships broadsiding each other. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, the farm, which I think is a good episode, personally. You do? Putting that out there. Yeah, because... I, I think it's probably my least favourite of this season. Well, Which doesn't mean I hate it. I just, you know... Yeah, I mean, as, as, as a season, then, yeah, it's, but I just like the premise of it. I know? think they could have done a lot more. They could have I, done a lot more, but I think it's... 
I think in the way they didn't want to go um, OTT with the human experimentation aspect. Well, I think the episode was titled The Farm. The whole thing should have been about everything that's happening on Caprica. Though it should have been more about the Cylons, what they're doing, what they're trying to achieve, um, about the rescue and... Starbuck and what she's planning, maybe some extra recon or um, even some of the other people who are in there. I think the whole thing should have been there. I think everything that's happening on Battlestar Galactica itself should have just been left out and it should have just been an episode on the farm and where Starbuck's gone. Just save all the Battlestar stuff for the next episode's home. Yeah, um, I think that would have been an awful lot better. I, I could have a guess why they didn't do that, which is that they hadn't had an entire episode away from the Battlestar in, up to that point in the show, and I, I imagine they would have been a little reticent to do that. Yeah, but... Like, I, don't know, I don't know if they ever did that through the whole show. Um, were there any episodes where they had no scenes set on the fleet? When they were down on New Caprica, I think we saw something when basically they're on Pegasus, but I, I don't think there was much in the way of Battlestar Galactica itself. Can't remember now. No, I can't remember. But if it was in there, I don't think it was in there for a lot of time itself. Yeah. But it does switch around this time so that the A plot is Starbuck on New Caprica and the B plot is, you know, Adam is back in command and, you know, where is Laura Roslin? He's trying to find them. They're trying not to be found. So they're in a meat locker, which which is kind of funny. You know, seeing the, the president stuck in a meat locker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, I, with I, I, Eric, I would probably. have think that if you're stuck in a, in a freezer, then you would be wearing something significantly warmer than what they were. <laughs> All of their winter gear was left on Caprica, I'm afraid. Yeah, but when Apollo, the was, Apollo, Apollo had combat fatigues and he wasn't even shivery. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, it, maybe it's like uh, futuristic um, material automatically adjusts to keep you warm or whatever. There you but yeah, but I do like, I do, yeah, like you say, it does switch around. So the B plot is, is Galactica and the fleet, and the A plot is uh, Starbuck. But uh, I do like Starbuck anyway as a character, so an episode predominantly focuses on Starbuck he's, uh, he's always good and, and kind of an interesting one because it it makes her something we haven't seen before very much which is vulnerable yeah and we also get to find out a bit more about her childhood indeed which but, is actually depicted in flashbacks much much later but we haven't heard much about this one no, no. So, but anyway um, before we go into that, to set the premise, basically they decide to steal to steal the Cylon Heavy Raider, um, and they do it really, really stealthily by pulling up in a Hummer and three trucks. Um. And also, a little tidbit: uh, she and Andrews hooked up. Yeah. So yeah. So um, that's gonna. And she's already I, making the pronouncement of "I'm going to come back and rescue you." Yeah, he must have been really good. Must have. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it always, what does get me is um, combat fatigue seems to be, um, I don't know what it is, but it, every time it's like, it, I, when she was walking around in a black underwear, the combat underwear, and I was thinking of Enterprise with the blue underwear. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking someone needs to design combat fatigues that actually look like they actually serve a purpose rather than let's see how tight we can make these things. Well, things like that are for the audience, not for the characters, right? Yeah, I know, but the, yeah, true, true. Um, so anyway, yeah, so after um, doing the deed with Anders, shall we say, they decide to steal the Silent Heavy Raider. Um, and I also, I like the fact that they mentioned that they have to land it to refuel. I did like that, because it's, it's... It makes the Cylons not omnipotent and all powerful or anything you know they they need fuel like it like us which is i think a line from way back in hand of god yeah yeah when when the when they're trying to uh, the asteroid the security of the asteroid 
where um, we did a uh, Star Wars run. I did like that. Um, and it also it, it, it plays into the fact as well that they have, although they have similar technology, they use it in different ways, but they all need fuel. They all use projectile weapons and stuff like that. I do, I do like the similarities that they maintain. Although, now that I'm thinking about it, is, is how would she know about heavy raiders? Because she jumped away before the first time they actually encountered a heavy raider, which was in the opener of season two. Um, she saw a heavy raider when she found out about um, Boomer. Well, um, not Boomer herself, but this, didn't she see that raider yeah, then? Yeah, I, I think what he's getting at is the fact that she says they build them well. Yeah, because I... I in the context of the show, I mean, obviously there's, you know, she could have seen one off camera or something, but I don't think there's ever a scene where she would have seen one. Right, yeah. But then it could have been information that um, she'd got from um, Hilo. Yeah, and, and you know, they were wandering around, obviously, on your Caprica for days and days and days here, so they could have seen one, just not on camera. Yeah. Yeah, but she still wouldn't know how well they were built. Yeah, unless they had already tried or something and shot a rocket at it, couldn't scratch the surface. I don't know. Yeah, because we know from the normal riders that uh, a Viper can take one out quite easily. So, but anyway. Okay. Yes. Yeah, they haven't invented shields yet. They haven't invented... No, but I, I like the fact they haven't invented shields. I do like that. The shields are one of those nebulous, made-up technologies that can sort of... Um, they just do whatever the plot needs them to do. If the plot needs the ship to live for a little bit longer... Oh, our shields are still. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like the fact that in Battlestar, it's like the armor's took a painting. You know, we're okay, but the armor's took a painting and, mm-hmm. and, and it weakens it. And st- I like that. Like last episode when they had to oh, close, yeah. they used the pseudonym of closing uh, the tunnel because it's took a painting from when the, the Solons boarded. So, yeah, I do like that. It always reminds me of the little sort of memes that you get um which, which would survive more sort of the death star or um the enterprise it's just like the enterprise of course it has shields <laughs> <laughs> is who, whoever's plot armor is stronger well this well i actually did design up with um, a star wars not and he actually said that the, the um a death star or uh, a star destroyer would beat the enterprise because they have so much more firepower and I said, no, you're missing the point. All the Enterprise would do would be a photon torpedo into the nuclear, into the reactor and bang. Because Star Wars doesn't even have transporters. Because Star Trek does. And if you can if you can fly the Millennium Falcon inside the Death Star, you can beam a photon torpedo in. Sorted. Well, we all know the, the real winner of that confrontation is whomever the writer wants it to be. Yeah. Shields are like the transporter. Mm-hmm. That are plot device. There you go. Well, the only reason that they had the transporter was because um, in Star Trek they couldn't afford to make a shuttle to take them to planets. And then later they did. They and then later had, they did, yeah. <laughs> Originally, they actually, they were gonna, I think they were going to have the Enterprise land itself. Ooh. Oh, like Voyager. They, yeah, but that's not something they were able to really visually do until Voyager. Cool. And then went with Enterprise, Enterprise, they went the other way and they used shuttles. I don't know if you, if you think about shapes and, and you know te- technology level, you know it takes a lot to keep up a structure like that that doesn't have a foundation. You know you're, you're going to need a pretty good level of technology. You know you're going to need your shields and your uh, structural integrity fields to keep a structure like that rigid in a gravity field like the surface of a planet. And uh, in Enterprise, I, I don't think they would have had that technology yet. No, no. Although, going back to Star Wars, they do say in Star Wars about cloaking devices. Well, they, when they think the Millennium Falcon has disappeared, they say that, ship, that ship's too small to have a cloaking device. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's the only reference to a cloaking device in the movies. Yeah. But the, um, the, the books kind of took that and used it quite a bit more. And cloaking devices in Star Wars are, are a bit different than they were in Star Trek. Yeah, more of a stealth technology. Mm-hmm. But one that works both ways is you can't see out and no one can see in. Yeah, there's always a flaw in the design. <laughs> anyway, Battlestar. You, yeah, you won't find any of that stuff in Battlestar. 
no. uh, all that high tech gadgetry no. that that probably annoyed uh, Ronald D. Moore when he was working on Star Trek so much that he was like, okay, we're going like n- these are like 1960s tech <laughs> in space. But fair play for him for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So, where are we? The farm. Right, so Starbucks being shot, she wakes up in a hospital which she assumes um, at this precise moment in time is a, what do you call it? A medical triage thing? Something like that. Yeah. Um, she assumes it's a human. Yeah. Run, run yeah. by humans. And that Anders brought him that is. Anders is now, as far as she's concerned, Anders is dead. Yeah. Um, and she meets a doctor called Simon, who is the most creepy doctor. It's just the way you just know. I mean, you know he's a bad guy, obviously, in hindsight. But it's just, there's just something about his manner that you think, yeah, there's something not quite he's, right about he's you. He's very pleasant, but there's just something off. It's like, you know, the, the Stepford wives. Yeah, he's or, too, Han- or he's Hannibal Lecter. Nice. It's the Hannibal Lecter thing I thought. Yeah. It's like, he's, he's really nice and everything to the face, but inside the cogs are turning, you know. Um, and I also thought the bit where he said, time for your pain relief and knocks her out. As soon as he did that, I thought, yeah, this ain't right. For me, I think what... I'm trying to think back to when I first saw this. And one of the, the, the clues that something's wrong here is everything's too clean. You know, if this was a resistance hospital, you know, it'd be, you know... A makeshift tent somewhere, you know, it wouldn't be this nice, clean-looking hospital ward or a mental institution. Or but Starbuck does comment on the fact that if this was a solemn base, it wouldn't be this clean. It wouldn't be this dirty, sorry. Yeah, but it doesn't look dirty to me. No, if, if <laughs> yeah, uh, the, other, the other thing is in all these is there's fifty. We find out here, there's fifty-three resistance fighters. So if there's fifty-three resistance fighters. How would they then maintain a medical facility? Oh, like I mean, like you said, you know, it would, yeah, it and, would and be she, like and a, she would have seen it if it was by the school. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's more likely to be a field tent and a triage unit. So there's that. Is that. Um, and he's he, the other thing that got me in all this. His white coat was actually white. You know, Every, yeah. everything else we've seen him wearing mm-hmm. has been like cobbled together. It's dirty. It's it's well used. It's repeatedly used. This it's stuff also- got. I was going to say, it was also the fact that as Starbuck herself actually brought up, why is it so quiet? Um, it was just like, if this was really a hospital for sort of people trying to make their way in a place which is basically mute, then there'd be a lot more people and a lot more noise. Yeah, I mean, you look, and you look I, and at I like how he had, he had an explanation for it. That sounds perfectly plausible, but still it's too neat. It's it's there's something wrong about this guy. Yeah, you're in isolation because of the infection. Yeah, and and you know the people. Yeah, they're dying. They're dying of radiation poisoning, and, and you know it's not pleasant, but it's quiet. <laughs> Which is another problem because people dying from radiation poisoning are normally in agony. Yeah. So, but we do find out late. Obviously, uh, this is a Cylon, and it's uh, what's the model number six. So this is model number six. No, no, no. Number six is. Uh, Oh no! Yes, yeah, sorry, Trisha. Trisha Helfer's Cylon. Oh yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I got my next mixed up. Yeah, we find out he's a Cylon because he has a conversation with Number Six. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah, I don't think I ever. Re- we don't find out what model he is, do we? Uh, yeah. I'm we, googling that. <laughs> yeah, we do eventually get it, but it's not until later on. He's um, number four. Yeah, he was either three or four. Yeah. So that would put him quite high up in the ranking then. Um, I think all the others were sort of made equal. There's just the two of them, the sort of parents in a way, which were sort of higher than the others. And I, I think their model numbers might refer to when they were made. Yeah, yeah. As like when they come up to production line. Who was made first? Yeah. Because number one is Cavill, who we haven't met yet. Number two is Leoben, who we met in the miniseries. Number three is Deanna Beers, who we haven't met yet. Here's number four, Simon. Number five is Aaron Doyle. Number six, of course, is um, Trish Halter, who has her sixes have many names. And number eight is Sharon. Yeah. Who'd have thought, who'd have thought Zena would have been a Cylon? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be meeting her in a few episodes, actually. Yeah. She's brilliant, actually. She's, uh, Definitely. And she's in Shield and all, though. 
Sadly underused, I think, in S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. One episode and then a couple of flashbacks. But she's not the only BSG um, actor to be in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No, no. No, Adama's in it. And he's in charge of his own carrier again. (laughs) Yeah, he's got to think about ships, you know. That's basically what it is. It's in his contract. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> he'll be, he'll be Sadly, good as a commander. Get, we don't get to see him, you know, on the bridge, giving orders to you know his jet fighters or anything like that yet. No, that's kind of sad. That's true, but maybe we'll get that in due course in the Civil War. <laughs> She's going to sign to Captain America. So, yeah, that's the problem with Shield is they keep tying it into the movies. It should be standalone. No, I like the fact that it's all been tied in together. I love the fact that it's just expanding this universe. I think it's actually going to... It's probably going to do less going forward. I mean, Captain America was the big one. Because it was so tied in to S.H.I.E.L.D. I think going forward, you're going to see not quite as much play between the two of them. Yeah, well, if that's if it goes forward. They haven't greened at the third series yet, have they? They have, actually. Yeah, oh, just, they have? Just, just like a couple of days ago. Oh, great. You got a, got a third series for that and a second series for Agent Carter. Yeah, we haven't got Agent Carter over here yet. That's pretty good. It yeah. is. It's a good series. I think that, yeah. Although, I do hope um, that they do move away from basically what used to Colson Sky Show because that's getting, that's getting old. Well, things are changing up on the way yeah. um, that show goes. If you, I'm, I'm trying to avoid what... spoilers because I think you guys are probably not. Up to the episodes no, we're, 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 here we're, in the we're three weeks behind you. <laughs> um, weeks. Well, I, I've seen them, but yeah, but you, that's naughty. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we're three weeks behind you. So we're, anyway, we're, the magic we're of just the had the episode where um, Sky finds out that Sky's mum offers to help her, even though she doesn't know it's a mum. So that's where we are. Anyway, back to Frack Stars. Anyway, back to Frack yes. Stars. Yes. So. <laughs> um, the conversations that Starbuck has with Simon, as we alluded to at the start of the podcast, is where we find out a bit about Starbuck's past. And the thing that we find out is he's had every solitary one of her fingers broken. Now, I can only assume that this is somewhat to do with the piano. Well, not necessarily. You know, we know from... I don't remember if it's happened or not yet in this series. I think it has, because we've already talked about her childhood with her mum, about how she was punished badly. So whether or not it was a punishment from a mum which caused that. I, I think this is the first references we get to that there was some sort of child abuse going on. Yeah, but it's 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 the the specific point where they were broke. Now we know her dad was a piano player. because um, she listened to his music uh, when she went back to her what could only be described as apartments, for want of a better way of putting it. So we know her dad was a piano player. Now if her mum was an abusive mother I, this is our personal point of view. Now. If her mom was an abusive mother, I was thinking, did she do that to her so she couldn't play the piano like her dad did? Mm, there's that. Possible. Because you know that people in these situations, they, they come up with a lot of ways to justify their actions. Yeah. Ones that may yeah. seem crazy to from the outside. But. Yeah. But it, it, it does give us an insight into all that the anger and the rage that is inside Starbuck, um, you know, because it's, it's another little snippet of the persona of Starbuck. And when Simon raises it with her, um, it's brilliantly acted uh, the way she portrays it. it. A lot of it is portrayed literally in just the body language. Yeah, basically, well, I'd say all of it really, because she doesn't say much at all. She doesn't say anything. No, she's just very, very uncomfortable. Um, yeah, she's sort of all squirmy in the bed. Like yeah. a little child who was about to be hurt, sort of thing. Like it was bringing back painful memories. But creepy Simon is just using this as a way in, while also saying, "By the way, you should breed." <laughs> yes. Which also brings us to uh, what is essentially the next scene, where she wakes up with a new scar, which has nothing to do with her injuries. I think that's definitely where she starts to think, "Yeah, something is wrong." Well, I think she was always suspicious, but that really was the tipping point. She was like, yeah, this isn't happening, and I'm getting out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because uh, then, and, and this is then where she, she sees uh, follows him. Yeah, and this is where we see him talking to Six. 
Yeah. Yeah, because he goes to put her to sleep again, but she's put a kink into her drip to stop getting the meds, so she's not sedated again. Especially after last time, she sort of woke up and he literally, within a minute, put her back under. But I've just woken up, and it's time to go to sleep again. Yeah. Yes, while well, I eat your liver with a nice, some fava beans and a nice tea. Yes. <laughs> he does a great job though uh, it, the, the actor's name is Rick Worthy and he does a great job of being like creepy nice yeah he's he's really good in this role um, he, he's one of those I think Canadian actors who shows up as a guest star in like every show ever he's on Enterprise he's been on Supernatural just all kinds of things a jobbing actor as they're called yeah. Thing about these people who tend to get around all these different shows. Just... Well, at least he has talking parts. It's not like you know those people that are, <laughs> they're always in the background and never actually say anything. So. Yeah. No, you, you it's get, always good. If, if you talk, you get more money. This is true. But yeah, he's good. Although um, the fact that the, the way that Starbuck kills him is brutal. Yeah. But she didn't but, have much much else available to her. No, but I do think that some of it is is rage at what they've done to her or what they were planning on doing to her. It was just the fact as well. Yeah, I'm, sure, just I'm like, sure at this point she feels violated. <laughs> well, yeah. Especially as when he was approaching the subject of her bearing children, she'd basically got her legs up in exam as well. It's just like, what exactly are you doing down there? But yeah, it's just the fact that she had so much rage, she just went for him. And it's just like, die already! <laughs> but yeah. of course, she shouts that. <laughs> yeah. Like that. <laughs> but yeah, it's just the way that, of course, she then gets outside. And her f- reaction and, and, and her face when she sees another enough, but, but Before fall. that, though, um, he says, you can't kill me. And, and up until this point, I'm not sure if we've had, if they've said anything about the resurrection process. Uh, we've seen two the Obens, haven't we? Which have, it's been mentioned about the resurrection. Yeah, but I, but they may not be the same the Oben. No, they, they, were, they were two different ones. Into the new body. I don't think they've mentioned it on the show. Yet. No, they do because uh, um, on the attack on Caprica, Six tells Baltar that she. Oh, just... that's right. She she yeah. does explain that. Yeah, she says I can't be killed. I'll be just downloaded into a new body. So, but obviously, so, Starbuck yeah. doesn't know that. So we know that as a viewer, but Starbuck doesn't know that. Well, given that it was Baltar she was talking to, he may not have said anything really about that. Well, no, because then he'd have, the only way he could tell anyone about that is, <laughs> oh, by the way. Oh, by the way, because I know this because I was sleeping with her. Yeah, and I gave her the code to the command net. <laughs> so, yeah, Baltar probably hasn't told anybody about that. No. But did any, did you, I mean, obviously, the end in the film, it's not gonna, really going to be relevant, but when she goes into um, the baby machine room, um, I, the, the first thing that popped into my apart from the fact that what they were doing was horrific and all that is the bit in um, Alien 4 where um, yeah, Ripley sees all the other Ripleys and she's like kill me, kill me so is it, um, what's her name? Sunshine, that's it kill me, kill me Sushan Sushan, that's it, yeah, sorry I was close very close <laughs> but yeah, that reminded me of, the, of Alien 4 my there's a weird thing in this scene where, you know, it says obviously, you know, shut off the power. How, how would Starbuck know that that would kill it? And why would it kill it? Yeah. <laughs> I guess the, I guess the implication is that these machines are the only thing keeping her alive. But Starbuck could she knew that just by just by glancing at it? Well, no. Um, the other woman said. Um, she was the one that said that it would kill her, or saying, or in. Or did she? I no, I think it was Starbuckle said, she says, shut off the power. Starbuckle says, but that'll kill you. And Sushan says, I can't live like this. And who'd want to? Well, sure, yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I do like the way that she, uh, she then brains her six with her forest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's just like, you, you can't wow. have too many Starbucks versus number six fights. No, I mean, this is what, the third one now? Uh, at least two. Yeah, because yeah. she had the one where she went and the got big, the arrow. The big knockdown drag out. Yeah, the arrow. This one, which is significantly shorter due to a handy fire extinguisher. Yeah. 
but no less awesome. But no less awesome, no. Yeah. I mean, Starbucks got to be thinking, how many times have I got to kill you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, for all she knows, it might have been the same one. Yeah. Um, and then we get the, the, the thing about Simon saying, you can't kill me, coming back. Because... Because he walks out in you know a perfectly turned down suit. Yeah. And just steps out and, hey, Starbuck, how you doing? And then gets shot. Because the cavalry has arrived. Yes. No, not Melinda May, but no. <laughs> other cavalry. No. Back to S.H.I.E.L.D. Um. <laughs> Lots of crossover. And we, and we still don't know why she's called the cavalry. There's so many different stories. Oh, well. Well, you don't You know. will. <laughs> okay, you two, be <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Anyway, yeah, that'll start. <laughs> we got um, Hilo and, and Anders showing up at the right place at the right time, thanks to Boomer. Or, no, not Boomer. Um, the other Sharon, Caprica Sharon. Caprica Sharon, yeah. With a heavy raider, no less. Yeah, so obviously they must have gone and gotten the heavy raider. Yeah, I, I do... Well, they talked about... One of the things they were planning to do was to go get a heavy raider before they were ambushed and Starbuck was taken. Now, it's obviously going to be easier to have a, to do that with a Cylon on their side. Exactly. So they obviously use that idea when um, Valeri turns up. So it's just like, yeah, I'll go get that. But it's just the fact you see this heavy raider and it's just like, yep, this... The first time I saw it, it's just like, hmm... Now, either um, they've gone for the re- to get the heavy raider with Sharon, or the rescue's going to be a little bit more problematic than they thought. <laughs> <laughs> there's just the fact that it turns, it's just like, which one, which one? <laughs> yeah, and there's, just, there's that moment where you're not sure, okay, uh-oh, is this going to go really badly, or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, that's when they, of course, uh, um, do the rescue, and yeah. you've actually got Sharon going... Come on, move like you um, move like you've got a purpose. That's it. <laughs> this is a pretty cheesy line, really. I don't know. I think the cheesy bit in this one would be um, we can't make babies because we can't understand love. <laughs> yes. This is apparently the explanation for what was going on at the farm. Yeah, but trying, it also trying ex- to make human silent hybrids so they they could actually procreate biologically. But- if you think about it, in a way it is, but it isn't, because of course this whole thing is about gods and um, all this other sort of non-scientific stuff. And So to have that as a reason is not, in, I suppose, too far-fetched, given the overall arcing theme. But in, that, in that context, yes, but the other context is, um, as, as we are led to believe in, in later episode, this is all part of a grand design humanity and the silence to you know you know spoilers folks um to end up where they end up basically without getting too much away so if this is all part of a grand design i don't understand how you could as a supreme being whatever you want to call it acknowledge um what's going on here as part of that process well now you're asking the really deep questions that i don't think any of us have an answer to no but you, know, you could also put the same argument forward that if he's in your part of the grand design that's supposed to you know, kickstart humanity, we kill millions of humans in the, and silence in the process. <laughs> but there you go. So as a matter of, what Spock says, as a matter of uh, cosmological history, it's easier to destroy than to build. It is. So, but yes. So um, basically, as we said, the cavalry arrives, don't blow any trumpets, no one from S.H.I.E.L.D. turns up, um, and they get the heavy raider that they've Mm-hmm. Desired for so long. Didn't even come with go faster stripes. They did this one. They can always paint those on later. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um and this obviously leads into like Craven said last last episode, this leads into the next episode because that's another thread that's being pulled. So Starbuck is on her way back with the arrow of Hollow. Which does lead back to what's been going on in Galactica, which we haven't talked about too much. No. No, which is essentially the B plot, like you said at the start. Yeah, absolutely. So we got, you know, they're they're each trying to figure out what the other one is up to. Uh, Adama's camp and Roslyn's camp. 
and Rosalind decides to try and curry favor among the fleet, among the people, by essentially outing the religious side of who she is and, you know, her belief that she's leading everybody to the promised land. I, lo- I love that she calls it the religion card. Like, maybe she's still not <laughs> entirely convinced that it isn't just a card she can play. Yeah, I did like the fact that she called it the, I'm going to play the religious card. And then you get the look from um, the High Priestess. It's like, do you really have to call it that? <laughs> well, I don't know why she would call her. I mean, she's just, she's, I don't know. I mean, the grand... I, I think she's still got, she sort of got her two hats. You know, there's the religious leader part and there's the political leader part. And I think at this point, she's still got a little separation between those two. Yeah, yeah. Even if not, it's only she's not quite the high priestess just says. Yeah. Um and that woman, I can't think of her name off the top of my head. Elosha. Like, yeah. Um when she says we're gonna play the religious card, the look on her face was brilliant. Yeah. It was like it was like about time type of thing. <laughs> now there there was an interesting thing and I just saw this today when I was rewatching it. Um so after she makes this proclamation and it's gone out throughout the fleet. Um, which makes Adama really angry. Uh, she's on the prison ship, and she goes into a room with all of these inmates, and they, they immediately drop to their knees and put their fingers to their heads, which is the exact same sort of salute, or whatever you want to call it, that the uh, the monotheists in the show Caprica do. That's right, I've forgotten about The soldiers that. are the one. <laughs> And I'm wondering, because obviously that was made many years later, if the producers of that show didn't think about that or thought about it and did it on purpose. I think it would have been on purpose because all the stuff was based on everything that came. And I think it was actually the same sure. people behind it all. Oh, yeah. I mean, mostly. Um, but it, it's also her reaction. It was so well acted that Laura Roslin was just so uncomfortable with giving this sort of yeah. blessing that she really didn't want to do it. Um, but it was what was expected. She's playing this religious card, and she's now got to act this role and take that position, whether she is comfortable with it or not. I don't think she's comfortable with it um, to the extent when they when they kneel down. She was, she was definitely uncomfortable with that, saying this isn't necessary and so on and so forth. But I yeah. think she's she's very comfortable with using it as a way of getting what she wants. Yeah. So I'll, yeah, that's that's the political hat that she's gone on. She's comfortable with doing whatever she has to do, but there's still that that side of her that's not comfortable with the religious aspect yet. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as we know in later episodes, she embraces it more. But at this point in the story, she's not comfortable with people kneeling to her, and I, and I think that in itself spoke volumes of her as a character because she sees what she's doing as the right thing to do. Yeah. But for her, it looked like that was one step she really didn't want to have to go down. Um, He wants people to believe in her and what she's doing, but the way she's had to do it, she's not comfortable with at all, but she knows she hasn't got much in the way of options at all. No. And it's also... um, Bearing in mind what's going to happen in, in the coming episodes when Starbuck returns. It's also interesting in this that we get Adama saying uh, no one's going to follow this religious nonsense. Yeah. Uh, and we find that, uh, that, in fact, they do. Yeah. A third of the fleet do. Which yeah. is interesting. It, it actually gives us one of our first sort of ship counts. Yeah, I'd actually made a note of that because it's just like, ah, we do have a ship count because they say nearly a third of the fleet, which was 24 24. ships that went. So, yeah, obviously they got 75 or around there ships. Oh, hang on. 75 ships. In the miniseries, they say 40 FTL-capable ships. Interesting. So that means that between the miniseries and now, another 30-odd ships joined. (laughs) <laughs> maybe there were more ships able to make it to uh, the Ragnar Anchorage yeah it's just you know a scene we didn't see or perhaps the writers didn't quite remember that scene more than likely <laughs> <laughs> I 
you know, obviously we, a lot of us come to this show as fans of Star Trek, and uh, Star Trek is famous for its inconsistencies. It's all, yeah. Uh, yeah, although I, we did, I did do a podcast uh, about a year ago, and we got talking about the Excelsior class, and um, we did actually work out that there are 28 Excelsior class starships in Starfleet. Only 28? Uh, only 28, yeah. We had, we had a bit of a geek moment and numbers like this go back to conversations we had regarding um, the amount of prisoners that um, were on um, the prison ship and things like that yeah well it's not inconceivable that um, they would pick up ships as they're going along yeah you know? yeah it, and, and we actually will see that happen in a couple episodes in a but way. it's almost a double of FTL ships that would be there that's the thing because you're talking about 70 odd ships um compared to the 40 that was mentioned in the mini series yeah did did you notice the goof though while we're on about the jumping did you notice the goof um because they use stock footage for the jump uh, the astral queen actually jumps twice whoops now i hadn't noticed that <laughs> yeah now c- correct my memory because i mean sometimes in, in the past episodes we talked about the survivor count which goes up or down, uh, depending on the events of the previous episode. Now, am, am I correct in thinking that they, in this one, uh, I remember seeing a note about this at one point, where they you know, they lowered it some because people got killed in Ty's disastrous food raid. Yeah, they lowered episode, it by But four. they didn't lower it for Boomer. But she's not a human. Yeah. But she would have been part of the previous total, though it should have been. Because they technically or, or lost was she one. never part of the previous total? Because she's a silent. Yeah, yeah. You could, is that total human? Well, woman? no, because it's total humans, isn't it? it, does, it and they had thought she was human before then, so she would have yeah. been part of the well, count. Well, they thought she was. But the yeah. producers of the show who make that little count on the title plate, <laughs> they don't. They know who's silent, who's not, presumably. Unless... They, they can claim they Well, I would assume that the number is... is all humans, so they wouldn't exclude military personnel. So yeah, let me see if I can find that note again. So we should have gone down by five, not four. Yeah, but hey, it's okay. No, actually, it, it's foreshadowing because they know they're going to get another Sharon. <laughs> they have a one Sharon quota. Yeah, that's what it is. So the numbers right because there's only four humans dead. Or it was actually because Sharon wasn't dead. Because if you have a look at where Adama's looking over the body, her eyes are moving underneath the closed eyelids. That's <laughs> why he's actually asking her why, shot. why? Because she's not actually dead. She's just laying there. Why? Why do you keep moving your eyes? <laughs> you're, you're ruining my emotional scene here. <laughs> Cut it out, Grace. Cut it out. Actually, I've I've heard of some times when they have. Um, um, Oops, we lost somebody. Um, yeah, that was Colin. He oh, had, yeah, to, had to go, go unfortunately. So we'll, we'll finish up here. Um, I, I do know of sometimes that uh, they have digitally taken out people's eyes, if you know, or you know, digitally replaced their eyes if they blink when they're supposed to be dead. Yeah. Obviously, not this time. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's about everything that's happened in this episode. Uh, Yep, we end on a note of uh, more convergence. Um, Starbucks off to rejoin the fleet. Half the, you know, a third of the fleet is off to Cobalt to join up with her. Hopefully, they hope. And uh, we're left to wonder whether Adama will follow. Well, uh, yeah. Plus, we were left as well with the final part with. Adama playing to um, Chief Tyrrell, where he's basically talking about, did you love her? It doesn't matter whether or not she was a machine or not. Um, if you loved her, you loved her sort of thing. And you can see he's very much struggling. How do you how do you reconcile that? You know, somebody he knew for a long time did this to him. And is this thing that he didn't yeah. think she was? Because, of course, she'd been aboard that ship for two years. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, could you love a machine? And it's just like, well, yes, because he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but he's second-guessing himself. And if you loved her, is she then just a machine still? Exactly. So, but of well, course, the, the final note of the episode is um, Starbuck leaving Old Caprica. With the arrow. And, and le- with the arrow. Um, an actual bronze arrow, not uh, Stephen Amell. And uh, leaving behind Anders and his resistance. With the promise that she'll be going back. With that promise, yes. But it's also where, because going back to the conversation between Tyrrell and Adama, he goes, don't worry, you'll see her again. I, I love that line. You'll see, and you know, in the usual gruff Edward James almost, you'll see her again. There are many yeah. copies. And he's like, huh? What do you mean? It's just like, there are many copies. You'll see her again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. Well, that's the farm. So thank you very much for joining us. And next episode... We shall episode, return with Home, part one. And, and part we'll, two. Yeah, we'll um, probably do, put probably do both this. into one yes. episode, I um, expect. So Good thank you very much all for joining us. And Drogon, where can people find you? Uh, best place to find me is on Twitter. At handle is at Drogon, D-R-O-G-Y-N, 1701. And people can find me on the web at Midnight Shadow 7. And that's night spelt N-I-T-E and the number 7. So, until next time, end of line. Goodbye, everyone. End of line. <laughs>